Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm yours, morning, my course as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal versus West Ham, and we also take on the um, discuss the Arsenal versus Liverpool game as well, which will happen next weekend. Um, Arsenal West Ham, you know, a, a tough game, a tough fixture. You know, West Ham coming off a loss against um, Man United on the Monday. Um, Arsenal, you know, a, a loss against Olympiacos, but through to the next round and throwing Slavia Prague. So, you know, Arsenal's tails were up and, were, and it was going to be a tough game. And I thought, you know, Arsenal could maybe sneak something in here because they've been on good form in the league. You know, they've shown that they can get results. They show they can play. So, you know, I was hoping that we're going to see another performance from the guys. Yeah, I mean, look, going to the game, I was um, somewhat weary because, look, at, at Almost like took a, um, I believe it was an own goal against Man United for yeah. the Red Devils to overcome them. And I mean, they've been causing almost like havoc, you know, as they've been going through. Because I think even with, with a, when they played Man City, West Ham really made them sweat for that win. Yes. And I mean, for me, I think, I don't know, David Moyes has got that sort of, sort of blend now in that team where it's, I mean, they've almost like become like a, a real difficult team to now overcome. Because, I mean, look, uh, you don't also know if it's like just a purple patch they're eating now for the season. And then come next season, you know, we're back to how we always be knowing, um, you know, West Ham go about things. But they end up like struggling in that. But that being said, in the North London derby, like I felt we, you know, were slacking off at the end. Then, I mean, the, like the last 10 minutes, I should say. And then you, you take the Olympiacos game, uh, we, we just didn't get, you know, get going in the game. And I was, that actually was the reason I was not feeling weary, you know, taking on West Ham at, at this, at the ground. And then also not like, you know, we're not really gelling and, and eating the ground running. And I mean, the game it kicks off, hammers immediately, of course, applying the pressure. And I mean, it was almost like close to 10 minutes where it was like relentless, not only West Ham position, but pressure because Arsenal just could not get even out of the on off because everything was not just based on that off. What was your thoughts like seeing the approach with Luton was like Arsenal were, you know, really caught totally asleep in this game? I think it's probably one of the as bad as I've seen us play all season. Like, you know, it was people were overeating passes, weren't, you know, switched on. I I don't know if players were tired or, or what was happening because I just like we weren't at the races as they say, playing with the handbrake on trying to go uphill in first gear, basically. Or, sorry, fifth gear. Like, you know, trying to just push it in fifth gear immediately. They had to pull away and go uphill. Like, it laboured. It was really a laboured performance. And, you know, I, I, like, with that first 10 minutes you mentioned, you, you, you start asking yourself, is Arsenal going to wake up or is it going to be one of those days of Arsenal where you just watch them till the end where they just kind of don't show anything or any form of, you know, fight? Because you, you, you're thinking now as well, you know, Teams have been dropping points in and around you. So, you still have, I'm not saying you're going to get top four, but put the run together and see where you can get you. So, what happened with Chelsea when they changed the manager? Yeah. Then, 14th minute, Bowen then gets on the end of a, a route one pass, which, you know, Arsenal failed to clear. But, luckily, Pablo Marie is like kind of on the ball. He ends up going again with a 88 sprint in the way of, like, the way he chased down Jamie Vardy. And I mean, he just starts leaning into Bowen, who, of course, I think under like when he felt a bit of pressure, he just flung himself in the box looking for penalty. But I mean, the ref wave play on rightfully. But I mean, that was already more, you know, warning signs coming off. And then 15th minute, Antonio then 
speeds down the Arsenal right flank. Oh, sorry, the left. I think it was the left or something like that. Where the fullback just couldn't read the run of Antonio. He ends up, you know, cutting the ball back because I think everybody was also anticipating the the cross and not the cutback. And of course, we were now just lying deep. And I mean, the minute he cuts, Antonio cuts the ball back. Jason Lingard lines up and just smashes the ball past Ben Leno in the Arsenal goal. One 0 West Ham. Yeah, I think it was really shocking eventually. Like, you know, our Lingard scores once again past Arsenal after we just mentioned it. You know, he, he just seems to have that knack of scoring past Arsenal. It's weird how certain players, you know, no matter who they play for, where they are, they just find the back of the net against Arsenal. I mean, 1 0 to the Hammers, and you're thinking, okay, you know, Arsenal these days need a wake up call, and then they, yeah. you know, kick up to the races. But you know, straight after the kickoff, like Arsenal won after the races, they were still, you know, on the ropes like a boxer, basically. Yeah, and I mean, I, like you know, when the when this, uh, the, the kickoff commenced again, um, you know, I was kind of still a rock. I was like in my seat, thinking, you know, putting into perspective what I just witnessed because look. Our players were also backing off instead of closing the, the guy down. Because, I mean, the way Lingard... I mean, look, it was a snapshot. But, I mean, he had the overtime to already size, um, like size up the situation where he's going to place the ball. Because, I mean, it was almost like instinct to finish, yes. But, I mean, he already knew, right, ahead, like what he wanted to do. Because, like, so, Xhaka, David Luiz, Pablo Marie, uh, Thomas Party, they were all, you know, really, you know, quite a few feet away from the action zone. And, I mean, that yeah. for me was a major, major concern. And then, I mean, it was 18th minute. Arsenal, again, give away a cheap free kick. To Thomas Party was like clattering. I mean, I think that the play also made the most of it. But, I mean, you also have to be wise, you know, in and around yeah. the box. So, I mean, while we're busy, not really organising ourselves and, and, you know, the old uh, trade, like, you know, when you, when you used to play football, your coach is always telling you to face the ball, watch yeah. the action as well. You're backing and, and positioning yourself. We all just dawdling around. And in that moment, mm-hmm. uh, Lingard plays a quick free kick to uh, Bowen, who, of course, catches the whole Arsenal defence cold, uh, cold. And, I mean, he ends up just smashing the ball past Leno at his near post. 2-0 West Ham. And, but you know, was a dodgy and, keeping of Leno as well. Yeah, that was. Because, uh, I mean, the, the, the way he even positioned himself, it was like he was trying to smack the ball into the ground, even though it was a, a ground shot coming at him at like 100 miles an hour. Because I really thought he was going to more positioning his body at the near post because you can see Bowen had no other option but to just smash the ball because it even caught some of their players, you know, kind of cold because that's why none of them were uh, getting themselves into the box. So it was just up to him not to, you know, eat and open. I mean, he ended up taking the chance and he scored. I mean, yeah, 2 0 Arsenal. And, you know, what was frustrating for me at that time, I had no feed at the moment because that channel that on, I was watching the game on. It wasn't picking up, so I'm kind of following this game. You're like, it's 2 0 Arsenal, what's going on? Like, you know, you, you eventually watch the highlights for that first part and get shocked, but you're like, what's going on? We're 2 0 down already. You know, is it going to be one of those days? Because Arsenal were just non existent. I mean, they were caught cold all the time, people were running past us, and we were getting bossed all the time, actually. It was really frightening to see. Then, 32nd minute. A Kufal that was being played quite class on the on the right side for West Ham. He ends up, you know, pushing high up the pitch, whipping across in. Uh, Mikel Antonio ends up out jumping. David Luiz was kind of just ball watching, and of course he's goal bound header. I mean, it looks on the money for a goal, but I mean, ends up freaking off Suchik's chest, 
and just was like going further away from Leno, 3 0 West Ham. Can't believe yeah, what I'm yeah, I, I, I still message you. I was like, oh, what's going on like, with this game? We're 3 0 down. And it, it looked like, you know, that's going to be one of those days where you actually get hammered by the hammers. No pun intended. I mean, you, you couldn't see a way back for them. We never showed anything for that. What was it? Probably first 35 minutes. It was really poor football from Arsenal. And I don't know, like, why they start off so badly and need this kind of. Yeah reality checks in a game to be able to, you know, kick on and start the ignition. But I mean, then for the eighth minute, I mean, you could actually now see, you know, who's the type of players that you want to go into war with. Um, Martin Odegaard, Callum Chambers and Lacazette, you know, even though everybody else's heads were down, they were trying to push the fight and give the fight to West Ham. And I mean, at the end of paying off for the eighth minute, Odegaard wins the ball in midfield. Sprays the ball out wide for Callum Chambers, who's doing like one of the overlapping runs. And I mean, he ends up just whooping in. I mean, that's the sort of cross I always love doing. He's <laughs> up whooping a, a decent cross. And I mean, it ends up landing on Lacazette's foot. And I mean, he has some f- fantastic control to bring the ball down. Almost like positioning his body, you know, to get into a shooting position. And I mean, he ends up smashing the ball to the top corner. But I mean, it ends up just flicking off Suchik's, uh, I think, calf. And that. This is a little deflection takes the ball even further away from Fabianski. 3-1. Uh, at 3-1, you're thinking, like, you know, you, you, your mind, you're like looking at the clock. You're like, okay, it's still the first half. You know, and, and, and we're kicking into gear now. It, it, it could be, you know, we just need one more goal any time before the, the 60th minute to be back in. But, you know, fair play to Callum Chambers as well, reminding me of... Uh, one of the top right backs, Kafu, back in the day. Uh, that was because I mean, he was just, I mean, it's true what you said because it, it was actually watching like that, or even that, that guy, what was back in the day in Brazil, that Micon. Oh, when, yes. When they when they know they, they you know, they, they, oh, they need also what they say, all hands to the pump. That guys, people like him and Roberto Carlos would always do those marauding runs forward and, and cause all sorts of havoc, you know, playing as, as almost like wing backs. And I mean, for me, Callum Chambers was just doing that, really taking the game. And I think that, in a way, also stunned them a bit on the heels also somewhat. Because all of a sudden you see uh, West Ham, which was strange because, look, they don't normally just back down from like a sort of, uh, you know, a comeback or whatever. And they end up, you know, almost like being a bit more weird. And I mean, we end up getting again another chance just before halftime, I believe, where Saka gets played in a fantastic through ball. I'm just not sure if you remember who, the, who played that killer pass. If it was Laka or no, it was a ball down the middle where he just ran onto the ball. Like uh, it was a through ball, he ran onto the ball. But I mean, when we were now expecting him to now like wind up and pick one of the corners, he ends up just seating a tame shot at Fabianski. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to also think. I couldn't get to the guy. I think it could have been Odegaard that played the ball to him. I know yeah. I was thinking of Chambers. So second half. Uh, I mean, you already knew Arteta was going to, you know, give him the whole blow-dryer treatment there. So, you know, first few minutes after the kickoff, Chambers then releases Laka with a, a perfect, in, like, you know, inch-perfect through ball with the outside of his foot. Laka then chips Fabianski, but I mean, Diop manages to get back and clear the ball off the line. So, you know, kind of panic stations ringing because, you could, you know, we could see also like uh, the, the, the tide slightly turning. I'm not saying totally, but slightly when I started watching, when the camera would pan to David Moyes, and he's arguing already with his coaching staff, like, what's <laughs> going on? Like, and then I knew, look, yeah, there could be something in it if we also, you know, manage to squeeze something in in the next, like, 
10, 15 or 20 minutes. I think, I think, yeah, Arsenal just needed to, yeah, like you said, they needed to be before, like, you know, the 60th minute or something like that, that goal, 60, or 65, like the cutoff, because that goal puts pressure on you. I think if, if that game had to go on another 10 minutes, like, if the game was a 10 minute longer game, you know, Arsenal getting from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength, to strength. it was like almost, and you could see, I think, West Ham's legs were starting to also give in because, you know, that first 35 minutes, you know, they gave as good as possibly. Exactly. Excellent. Anyone they could have given, and I think you know the Arsenal started getting in. I think they started finding they also started finding their rhythm. Odegaard started passing the game really well. I think just one, you know, bad, not bad. Yes, the, the, the first thirty-five minutes were bad, but a bombing, you know, once again you're looking at your captain, and you know we were kind of anonymous. Yeah. So sixty-first minute, Odegaard then plays a reverse pass to the on-Russian Chambers who ends up, you know, just slinging the ball again into the danger area. And, I mean, you could see West Ham in total disarray at the back. And then, uh, what was it, Craig Dawson ends up, you yes. know, with Aubameyang on his shoulder, you know, kind of panics and he sticks a foot out and he volleys the ball into the net 3-2. You know, we had stat, they said West Ham conceded their last three goals were all own goals. So, there was that uh, Dawson, Suchek Dawson. So they're quite the tricky team to, to score against it. They'd rather they put the ball in their own net. But I think 3-2 for Arsenal. And, you know, at, at that point, I was in, like, you know, really, really interesting thinking, you know, there, there's something in this game now. There is something in this game. We, we, we just need to keep on pushing because West Ham now are suddenly, you know, boxed in. Every time they were, were trying things, Arsenal was getting the ball and were going again and again. And you and you kind of asking yourself, you know, where was this Arsenal from the kickoff? Yeah. So, 66 minutes, again, a big scare for Arsenal. It comes like against a runoff play. West Ham, he took, he took on a, you know, a very, very fast counter-attack. And, I mean, I, 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 you know, I tried watching and re-watching the, the moment, the scene that's going to play out where uh, Bowen ends up getting the ball. I think Kieran Tierney sl- is like slips, the ball cracks against him. Ball bounces yeah. back to Bowen. And then when he has another shot, this time it was with... Uh, Kieran Tierney on all fours, the ball ends up smacking on the backside and going for a corner. And I mean, he didn't even know about that, that block, but I mean, two solid blocks to deny the Hammers. I think it was one of the moments in the game where I actually looked at and said, you know, this is going to be 4-2 now. Like, you know, there's one that moment you're thinking, ah, this is, this is we're going to concede now. Like, you know, they, they call it knocks all that wind out of your sails, but, you know, good defending by, by Tierney. But then also, like, you know, as we enter now the 74th minute, where Arsenal make the double substitution, Saka and Xhaka um, coming off, because I think both of them also were kind of waning, even in that, that, that latter part of the first half and, and part yeah. of the second half. Smith Rowling came on and Pepe came on to kind of, you know, inject some pace and trickery into the game. Uh, where you could see what I was now wanting to point out was, you could also see where Wesley was under panic. Look at the substitutions they started making. They bring on a left back. They bring on a holding mid. Because you could see they were now almost like thinking, okay, we're going to have to try to, you know, almost like defend this score. Even though we, we try to spring Arsenal on the counter, we're going to try to just sit and sit and sit. And Arsenal were, of course, you know, just trying to fire this whole game up to that latter part of the game. 76 minutes again, Leno fumbles a Jesse Lingard shot. Uh, Callum Chambers again, man of the hour probably, yeah. ends up coming to the rescue again. Call, like, you know, man just to get control of the ball and just whack the ball up the field. Yeah, that, we, 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 we need that kind of defending as well because sometimes, you know, Arsenal like to pass the ball out of danger. And I think Leno can take a page at the Beach book because 
you know, at times you just need to use that bit of initiative as a player and know, like, you know, we just need to get the ball out of here now. You know, route one, get out of danger and regroup. But yeah, Callum Chambers was really immense. But like, you know, these first 35 minutes also, you know, was part of the crew that struggled a bit. But I think overall, his, his defensive and offensive play was second to none. And I think it's really impressive that how he performed. I mean, I remember, I know he, he, he did well, you know, before his injury, he helped us at right back, but I still have a bit of nightmares of that uh, um, Jefferson for fun or something like that, or Montero, <laughs> Jefferson Montero of Swansea. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he was really immense, and, and I think he was really key to us, um, like you said, getting back into the game, and as we fight for that equaliser, he was pivotal. Yeah. So, at the first minute, Aubameyang gets substituted, I mean, rightfully so, because... Look, up to then, I mean, I think that sub could have even been made a bit earlier because up to then he was offering really nothing. He was, like, you know, almost like uh, the likes of Smith Rowe. Um, like, even that little bit that, that he came on that period of, like, four or five minutes prior to the substitution, he was also, like, you know, in a real dogfight. Pepper was trying to get himself involved in the game as well, you know, putting up a, a sort of fight. Uh, like as it was holding his own against, yeah. I mean, two giants up front for them. For for with them, and then I mean Odegaard and and uh, Towns Thomas Party, they were trying to you know get some sort of stability in the game. So I, I just think to myself, this is where, as you said when you started off the podcast, this is where you're not kind of expect you know, but bigger performance from your captain. You're already chasing a game like this, so you're actually is thinking, okay, can you also contribute from your side? Because I'm, you know, in a way, this also leads me to a topic where. You know, I'm also getting sometimes tired when I hear some like fans say, "Oh yeah, they they, they suck him out on the right, or they did yeah. this." Or, look, if you want to be a, a all-time like over forward uh, or a great, you have to adjust yourself and be so versatile. We can be used all over. I mean, you look at it's just, like just uh, off the top of my head. You look at Salah. He can play as a number ten. He can play out on the left. He can play out to the right, or he can lead the line down the middle. But I mean, every time it's almost like we want to, almost like. I'm like bubble wrap Obama and look, the thing is he, the money he earns, he's supposed to also do the business when you know when called upon. Or not just that, but also lead as a captain. But for me, it's not like he when, when it goes, when you know, when the shit hits the fan like this, what happened against Wester, you don't see him coming out and, and, and giving the fight, you know, almost like we can show them single handedly and he's like you know, pulling his guys through the fire here. He kind of goes into his he's like like a shell. And he just like kind of backs away from the fight, and uh, for me, it's infuriating sometimes about him. You know, it's like a, you know, Alexis Sanchez almost. You know, even though he wasn't a captain, but you know, when Arsenal's down or something, and and we're pushing, he tells the team, "Come, like you know, come, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're gonna, we're gonna do it." And, like you know, let's go, let's push, let's push. But uh, Aubameyang doesn't really say anything at all. Like, you know, was it also what you said now, Alexis? Look at that, that Bournemouth game also. Where he almost like kind of led us out of that Maya that, that we, you know, we already tanked at 3 0, and, and, you know, it was like kind of the, the, the white flags were at first off against Bournemouth at the time. And then he, like, in second off, he takes the game with the scuff of the neck and he starts to fight back. Yes, exactly. And I mean, uh, Bami Yang just like looked like, you know, even if you, you, you know, you mentioned about he doesn't play on the right, the left, or whatever. You, you play, even if you do play him, um, in the centre four, he doesn't give up the older play option where you can bring the other players into play. And I think, you know, we've been missing that. And I think that's why Arsenal's players in midfield have struggled to score. I mean, 
previously, you know, Arsenal's midfield contributed a lot of goals, and you need to look back to maybe Olivier Giroud, you know, was a good hold-up play and bringing the midfielders in, but with a bar being up front, you kind of have that option of only really playing the ball into space. He gets into the ball and he scores. I'm not saying he's, he's, he's a bad player or he's not as good as this player or that player, but I think his game sometimes becomes very one-dimensional and it kind of puts pressure, like like your midfielders don't get involved much in scoring opportunities as you once did, but like with Lacazette, I think he holds the ball up a bit more and the, the, there's more freedom on the pitch to play other players in. So, you know, maybe Arsenal should be looking in the summer for not a replacement, but somebody that can add that bit of that difference to the team because I mean, hey, you know, once he loses that pace, you're going to ask, like, you know, what, what is he going to bring to the side? Because, I mean, for me, my biggest concern is, like, you know, this is something that was actually a joy to watch last season. Like, when he was, like, you know, speeding past people, we actually, at the minute, when you could already see when he's coming towards the box, he's already, you know, he already has in his mind what, almost like he has, like, a, you know, like, a, when, they say you, when you paint a picture, he already has that, that, that canvas in front of him, so he knows what he's going to do. Now, it's almost like, just watch, I mean, just watch him now as a general thing now. Whenever he comes towards the box, he looks nervous, he looks like somebody that's, you know, that's, that's just making his debut, so he takes it, almost like, extra two or three touches in the box, he... He kind of like chokes the shot more than, than you know, he was like, you know, uh, placing the ball and, and, and doing it, you know, caressing the ball. Now it's like he's choking up everything and that is what's almost like messing up all his chances that he's getting. Because look, he is getting the chances. It's just he's fluffing it up. No, I agree. It's almost like when that change happened, there's almost a breath of fresh air when they, when they, when they substituted uh, Aubameyang. Yeah. Yeah, with Martinelli then coming on. Uh, then a minute later after the substitution, as he's already making his way at the back of the goal, Pepe ends up getting a ball, I think, again from Odegaard. He ends up, you know, standing up a perfect right foot cross. And Laka rises up over the whole West Ham defenders and nods in 3-3 Arsenal. I think he was listening to the podcast because we were always saying, you know, that people are getting their heads on the ball. They're not getting stuck in. And I mean, you know, Arsenal scored from a header. And and two own goals from all the the crosses of get you know putting pressure on it just shows what what pressure can do if you put the right pressure on in the box. Um, but yeah, Nicholas Pepe with a good assist. I mean, he's really getting involved in a lot of you know goal scoring um, passes or assists or even goals. So you know it's good to see that he's starting to maybe you know get into that form and I think Arteta's maybe managing him well so it'll be interesting to see you know as the season tails off if he can contribute more to to that you know league run for us. I mean what I actually what I think I also enjoyed of that goal as as simple as it looked but um, you could see West Ham didn't really expect him to to eat such a, a, a cross on his like his standing foot because I mean it was like inch perfect the way he crossed it and it was in, in that exact danger zone where the goalie doesn't know whether he must come for it and the defenders don't know whether it's going to, you know, just flow, float over all the hills. So, I mean, Laka was very awake to it and, I mean, he really planted the ball pass for Bianski. I honestly thought that it could be a, a winner on the cards at that point. But also, you know, really happy at that fight back and, you know, you, you're happy to take the three points, would be happy to take the three points, but you're also happy to settle for a point if you look at where we, we were in the game as well. So I just thought at that time, I just rather just calm the game down. But, you know, big ups to Odegaard as well. He was really magnificent. Um, 
you know, he had showed composure, he showed what Arsenal kind of missed with that player that, you know, knows when to play a pass, knows when to play things quickly, knows when to slow it down. He was a true playmaker. You know, obviously that first 30 minutes, 35 minutes again, you know, everybody was under the cosh. But after that, you know, he really took a foothold in the game. And I'm not copying him to Ozil, but as a, it's been a very long time that the playmaker away from home, you know, put their foot on the ball like that. And I mean, what I also really enjoyed of the game was, um, you know, that, that Callum Chambers display because, um, look, that West Ham always basically play on that Kufal on the, yeah. the right back and um, Criswell, the left back, it was now face-to-face with Callum Chambers. And Callum Chambers gave him barely time to play as a wing back because that guy had to do more defending for probably from the 38th minute or so and to do way more defending than he probably did the whole season because... Callum Chambers was just peppering the whole time. And I mean, when he, when he couldn't get past him, he was playing short, like, you know, little one-twos with Odegaard or, or uh, Thomas Party or Xhaka. And I mean, he was getting the overlap runs. And that guy at the end, I think, in the latter part of that, that uh, game, as, like, as a second half, he was almost like being outdone every time 2v1, every time, because we were kind of isolating the left-hand side of, of uh, West Ham. You know, with a, a bit like the way Bale left Doherty, you know, yeah. it's skinned by Kieran Tierney a few weeks ago. And now we had now somebody like Callum Chambers again doing the same sort of treatment to Creswell. And that kind of, almost like I am strong them, because I mean, they did not really have any sort of way to fight that eventually. Because that, that center backs of these were too, sh- like, you know, shit scared. So they were just hanging on in the middle of the box, you know, expecting that cross to come in. And they, like, they're, they're, they're midfielders. We're not really getting involved because look, we all know Declan Rice. He's only yeah. involved yeah, yeah. in stuck in breaking up play. But I mean, we were always like circumventing that all that midfield of this for the majority of that second half. Yeah, that Declan Rice almost you know, scored a good goal as well when he broke through that midfield as well. Going, I know we're sipping a bit back, but you know yeah. he had a good performance as well, like up until a certain point. But you know, good point at the end of the day. I think you know under the circumstances. Um, at West Ham's home turf, but I think, you know, had Arsenal been more aware and, and, and switched on, it could have, they could have made a statement to the, to the rest of the teams in the Premier League, not saying that we're coming for your top four spot, but, you know, kind of saying that there is something to watch out for for next season, but, you know, we showed fighting spirit, probably we wouldn't have seen a comeback like this, oh, we haven't seen something like this in a very long time, so, yeah, good, good point for Arsenal, and we we have the international break now, so unfortunately no footy. But I mean, like I said, because I'm going away next week to the Kruger National Park, going to kind of prepare ourselves for the Liverpool game as well. And I think for the first time in a long time, you know, Liverpool could be there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, they now seventh in the league, which is strange. We ninth in the league, so yeah, it's going to be a tough, a tough affair because look, they already saw, you know, hampered with the. Uh, their defense that is actually the thing that's been really, you know, almost like hamstringing them the whole for the majority of the season because right now they're almost like playing constantly either makeshift defense or they're drafting in some of the youngsters, but even some of the youngsters have been picking up niggle. So, I mean, we'll see how they, you know, what sort of team they eventually can put out. Whereas Arsenal, the squad looks now, you know, kind of well gelled. Now, I think it's just now down to focus because I, I don't think you can do that because look. I think Arteta also mentioned it in, in either the after the Olympiacos game or after um, this past game now against West Ham, where 
you can't every time give the team some like head starts against you because no. yeah, okay, that was now a fight back that we did against Western, but I mean you can't do that if you know every week where you almost like have to tell yourself we're gonna have to score six if they score four or, or the oh, yeah. you know, because you're gonna end up just burning your team out like if you cannot organize yourselves better. Because I don't think I don't know. I know people are throwing that, that, that whole idea around about David Louise and, and extra year, but I really think we should, you know, not only give Saliba a chance when he, you know, after the loan period, but I would also get maybe a defender that that's you know, you know, well embedded in a, in a team like in a uh, say in a good defensive team or de- being defensive de- defensively coached, but you know, just to so- get some sort of grasp on field of how to organize defense because. I think we just go into like a sort of panic mode, yeah. completely. And, and it causes all sorts of chaos. And then, you know, it like not only it leads back to the goalkeeper then, but then it also starts filtering through the the midfielders, the the attacking players. Because look at at, at Jaka at times. That's also another. I mean, as much as he, he he's being almost like Mister Consistent in that, but you can see when when the chips are down, he struggles when the, when you need either that legs, you know, to carry you through a game. You can see, like the minute he say loses the ball, I have the pitch, and we get hit on the counter. He cannot keep up with that. That you know, where you need that, you know, something to to say that the core type or yes. you know, when a, like an unformed party. Look, you can see he's still finding his feet in the league. I mean, I don't know. I always make excuses for him, but you can see like what we've seen of Thomas party saying La Liga. He can, you know, have that, that sort of legs to track back if he needs to. But I just think to myself. If you want to see that, like, if Arteta wants to follow this whole project thing, obviously, he will have to get players that are way more mobile and who can organize a match on the field. Not, you know, where they're looking at him every time to coach him on the touchline because he can't do that. I mean, you've played football yourself. There comes a time where you have to think for yourself. You can't be baby fed constant info of, yeah, you must pull, yeah, you must do that. Mm-hmm. You watch like the top sides in European football, they know already where they must be. And I think for us to get to that sort of level or as you said that echelon yeah. you need to have that sort of that, that people that are reading the game on the field not on like in a in a little notebook by a coach or a, one yeah. of those coaches giving tips like it you must start thinking for yourself I mean they're all top pro footballers we like an initiative as well in a team like you have to take, take charge and that and I think that's why you need an on-field captain who spots things you know like I always mention to it it's 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 not like a broken record, but you know Patrick Vieira is uh, on the Lee, I think I mentioned, or I'm thinking of on the or one of the players in the Invincible said like, you know the boss maybe says you know Avenga gives the instruction or the formations like this, and then Patrick Vieira on the field would tell maybe you know Pedro something push deeper push deeper and they were like no but it's not part of the tactic you know they would say. The boss is not on the field now. We're the ones on the field. We can see what's happening now. So let's just do this for a bit. Or, you know, tell the wingbacks to sit. Like Tony Adams to tell Arsenal wingbacks. At 2 no up for the first 5-10 minutes, just sit back. Don't move. We stay here. Because, I mean, yes, the coach says push wingbacks, wingbacks must push. But what at times you need to listen and judge the game on the field. And for 5-10 minutes, just nullify the game and take this thing out of it because the team will come at you. And look with Liverpool, their most consistent players this season has been Mane and Salah and, and yeah. of course Sin as well. But I just think to myself, you know, like look, Salah and, and, and uh, Mane, they've always been our Achilles because I mean they've you know been almost like pestering us and, and they always score whether you know win, lose or draw, they are always scoring against us. Because I mean they kinda 
you know, read the game way fast. And I think for us to to get something out of Liverpool or kind of also exploit their, their weaknesses that we know now, like their defence is their weakness. I just think to myself, we need to, like, you know, keep somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Robertson. We need to have him defend almost like way higher, you know, in their own half, or actually deeper, sorry. You know, where they have to sit a bit deeper because we are, you know, dictating the, the pace and that. Because I think to myself, you can't also... I'm not saying we must go gung-ho against because you know that, that uh, Salah and them, they thrive off that counter. Yeah. There's one ball forward. They yes. So I just think, that the you know, the work rate of also the midfielders are going to come in because just to break up that sort of play that they have there because everything normally gets set up from the midfield. And I mean, with them missing, like, you know, vital players also, I think, you know, part in midfield, we need to exploit them in that sense also. So I don't know how your, your take is with regards to the game. No, I definitely think that. But, like, what my thing is... Uh, both teams are probably going to be focusing on 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 their midweek uh, duties. So you know, Arsenal will probably be looking at the Europa League. So we're probably going to see a bit. Okay, my personal opinion is we're probably going to see a, a mix and match side, not too mix and match. Like you know, we're going to go under strength, but there probably will be players that they'll be looking for Thursday because Thursday or or that or not this Thursday, the the eighth of April, also my birthday, <laughs> but will uh, actually be the the um, Came with all Arsenal fans will be looking toward a note, taking it game by game. But for me, you know, that, that, that way is more important. If you tell me we take a 1-0 loss against Liverpool and a 3-0 win against, you know, Slavia Prague, I'm going to take that. But I think Arsenal just need to go with that same approach, you know, don't start to to um, to labour, but also don't give Liverpool, you know, the freedom to knock your long balls over and get caught cold on your heels because... You know, it could be an ugly game if you give Liverpool a two-goal, three-goal head start and you try to fight back. They'll just keep on, you know, punishing. We've seen we've lost some high scores against Liverpool when we we, we, we tried to go to Kango. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting affair for, for, for Liverpool-Arsenal or Arsenal-Liverpool because of the fact that both teams know that their chances of Europe are depending on the European pictures that they get right. Yeah, because I mean, I'm now also just doing a comparison quickly of, um, you know, the injuries. And I mean, they've got, uh, like, uh, Liverpool have, you know, people like Gomez, Matip, and uh, Van Dijk, they're all out for the season completely. So, and then Henderson is almost like touch and go with him, like, leading up to the uh, uh, Arsenal game. And then also Firmino also, who's been, you know, not really as influential as the title-winning season, but, I mean, he's also a key guy that's also a big, big question mark on him. His physical fitness for the game. And then, of course, you got Saka, who's got that uh, doubtful with that hamstring problem that he had. I think it's just more niggle than anything. And, I mean, Odegaard, I think we can actually watch tonight if Norway play, if he is going to even be on the bench. Because the coach actually said it was just like a, a slight jar of the ankle, not a, a, you know, a bad twist. So, we'll see there, you know, like leading up to the game next weekend. And I think part is he's staying actually, he didn't go play international duty, so that's also a plus side for us that he's actually, you know, taking a break because he needs to get those muscles and he's still also gets injured again. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any other talking points as we round off the shortened podcast? No, I'm, I'm good with everything. Okay. So, guys, hope you enjoy the weekend. A lot of international footy and other international sports around and I think start of the F1 season as well. So, hope you guys take care, stay safe and goodbye. Cheers guys, hopefully uh, it's a nice break and we come back strong against Liverpool.